What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Going all right, Graham. Uh, that was a hell of a team bonding activity we just did out For there. sure. So, funny story, I woke up this morning and uh, got in my car to go to work, and um, pull out, and as I'm pulling out, I'm going really slow. What the fuck's going on here? I hear, I take a right as this car's coming up behind me going like 40 miles an hour, and I'm going about like five, and I'm like, what the shit is happening? I almost get hit, and then I, I surmise that <laughs> I must have a flat tire, and I do. And so from there, I reversed back into my parking spot, and it was awful. And I thought the car was going to just fall apart, and the suspension was going to just give away. And I didn't do anything today. I mean, I worked from home, but I didn't take the car in. That's my biggest question is right, right. why none of this was dealt well, with. Well, I didn't think about the wheel and the tire thing, right? <laughs> Which is obviously uh, car service 101. So I'll take over from here. Sure. So Graham calls me at five after a day of being home because of his... Well, it's not like I sat on my ass. But you were, like, I think your workplace would assume that you're going to deal with this tire situation. So Which that, I said I was going so that to. you could go back to work the right. next day. Sure. So Graham's number one excuse was that there's so much shit in his trunk, he can't get to his spare tire. Sure. So I was like, well... Maybe that's something that he can deal with during the day is empty out his trunk. No. <laughs> so, nope. then, so then he calls me and is like, oh, there's a tire shop right up the road. We're just going to go there. I, I called like five tire places places today to find the right size tire for my car. And I eventually found one. It's walking distance. I figured I'd walk down there, retrieve the tire on foot and walk back and replace it as you would a spare. Obviously, that's so, not how it works. Yeah, the spare is the tire and the wheel. Yes. You were just going to buy a tire. I was going to buy a tire, and then I'd be like, what the fuck do I do with this thing? Special Even the guy on the phone was like, all right. Because I told him my plan. I was, he's like, you're going to bring it in and get it all serviced and whatnot? And I was like, oh, no, I'll just take the tire and do it myself. He's like, <laughs> and there's like silence for about three seconds, and he goes, all right. <laughs> yeah, so fortunately, I kind of know Graham well, and we didn't get in the car and jump into all that traffic. And I made him talk, him, talk me through his plan, and... Uh, yeah, but you got a lot of shit in your trunk, Graham. Yeah, so we cleaned out my trunk, threw some things away, saved some things, found some things I've been looking for for years, and uh, like a poster of Bob Dylan that is ruined, unfortunately. And eventually, um, we, we got to the spare tire and the jack and whatnot, and but we couldn't change the, the, the tire on the road I live on because it's really busy. And so we pull over to a little side road, Fortunately, we're on a hill, and we don't think about this that as we're trying to, to us. as we're trying to jack up the car. So we're jacking up the car. Things are going pretty smooth, and then I think it just fell at that point, right? <laughs> right. We were jacking it up. I think I was. I think you had started, and then I can't remember what you were doing after that. But then I kept going, and I got it up, and then it just fell over. And we were like, Jesus Christ! And well, so then we did it again because we didn't think about you know that we were doing anything physics. wrong. Or physics yeah. or anything like that. We're like, oh, I just must have fallen over because, I don't know, it just fell over. I'm sure it'll stay this time. And then, of course, the same thing happened again. Which is generally pretty disastrous when that happens. Fortunately, your car is pretty low to the ground anyways. Sure. Uh, yeah, but long story short, we stuck a notebook under the jack, got it done. Took us about an hour and 15, which was the time that I had allotted for podcasting. Um, but, hey, good, good team uh, bonding activity right. there, Graham. I think the notebook was... Some good ingenuity. We'd still be out there trying to figure out what the hell we're going to I mean, I was do, pretty, let, I was pretty let, close to bailing myself. Sure, but let it be known that it was the one of the note, the notebook that we used was from the trunk of the shit we were the shit we were moving out. It was it was it was part of the shit that we were taking out of the trunk to get to the spare tire. We might as well take this point to uh, try to sell your umpire equipment. That's, yeah, if anyone, if anyone, I was an umpire when I was in high school and a little afterwards. If anyone is an umpire and needs gear, wants to be an umpire and needs gear, I have shirts, I have pants, I have the little counter that keeps track of the count. I have baseballs out the ass. I got the little bag, I got the brush, I got everything. I even, I'll even give you the belt that I attached my little bag on. 30 bucks. 30 bucks is what? 30 bucks, because I'm desperate to get rid of it at this point. Every time I take it to play it against sports, they're like, oh no, we don't need it. 
It's happened three years in a row. So you've been lugging that stuff around for how many years now? This will be the twelfth year. <laughs> <laughs> and you want thirty bucks for it? At this point, yes. I like more, but I, I have to be realistic about it. Everything's in good condition. Everything works. The shirts are very nice. The pants are very nice. The belt is very nice. I like more. I like to say a hundred, but because I paid about two fifty for it at the time. And it's a good cash business. You make thirty five bucks a game if you're at the right park. So if anyone needs that shit, maybe you'll get a bite. I don't s- know. Send send a message on Twitter or something. Um well, should we talk about the things that people came here to listen to? Atlanta professional sports. Atlanta professional sports. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. Pitchers and catchers reported Adam to spring training among some of the early arrivals, Josh Donaldson. Freddie Freeman, Brian McCann, obviously he's a catcher, he has to report, and uh, Ronald Acuna, also reported. Very exciting, and Ozzy Albies was there as well. So baseball season is in the air, guys are getting back in shape, as if they weren't already. They're all back in shape, and that brings up a point about spring training that I don't like. Spring training, initially, the length was because players got out of shape in the offseason, they needed a couple months to get back in shape. These guys stay in shape year-round, so it's like, why can't we cut down on the amount of time spring training takes? So you're saying you want less baseball? I want less spring training. But yeah, I wouldn't mind having less baseball in the season. What? Let me tell you why. What the hell's the matter with you? I love watching games every day. But I'm just trying to think of the casual fan. Like, is there anything worse than the, like, no, random Monday or Thursday when there's not Adam, a game? Adam, I'm not thinking about us. I'm thinking about the, the casual baseball fan. Well, a casual fan can just not watch. And they don't. And here's how to get them back in. You make a season schedule where you have three or four-game series, and that's it. You only play on Thursday. If it's a four-game series, you start on Thursday. If it's a three-game series, you start on Friday. And so there's anticipation that builds up during the week. It's like the NFL, but transported to baseball kind of thing. I don't like it as a baseball purist, but I could see, and baseball will lose a ton of revenue. It would probably be <laughs> bad for everyone. But I think more people will get interested because more less games means every game counts a little bit more than it does right now. Because you have less time to make up for a shitty losing streak so, things like that. in theory... And the best pitchers pitch every single game. In theory, it could be more intense. Yeah. Um, crowds would be bigger. Yeah. Less, or you don't have to pay the electricity on the stadium. Right. As often. Which could help the Braves with their debt problem that they're having, apparently, where all the revenue is going is going into debt and whatever the fuck else they have to pay off and not to signing players. Free agents. But, nah, I mean, I've heard a lot of shitty ideas, but I think that one's up there overall. I don't know. I think it'd be I think it'd be really exciting. A lot of players would lose their jobs. You wouldn't need a five-man rotation anymore, that's for sure. You wouldn't need a Sam Freeman at the end of your bullpen. You, you would only need, like, four or five guys in your bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a realistic plan. It's not. There's no way. Baseball will lose a ton of money. But I think, at the same time, it would be interesting to see... They lose a lot of money in the short term, but in the long term, would interest in the game peak at some point because people are getting more hyped up because every game counts a little bit more than it does today. But back back to your na- your main point here, is spring training too long? Yeah, I don't think so because like pitchers specifically, they got to stretch out. Sure, they're they're in like running shape. They're not. I mean, it's not like the '30s when people were just drinking every night and smoking nonstop and didn't know how to exercise it's a little different sure um but no you got to stretch pitchers out make sure they don't get injured hitters got to get their timing uh you got a shit ton of prospects to look at give them a chance to play with the big club yeah but every year we always hear about players and coaches bitching about how long it takes i feel like that's more football than no no base are you kidding me Read, read uh talking chop or ajc or whatever this year with players are interviewed and you'll hear about around early March, mid-March, people are starting to bitch. Take note of it. It happens every year. And we go into camp with the unknown variable of a young player's growth, which we are all optimistic about, I think, across the fan base, especially with Ronald Acuna and some of the young pitchers. But you never know, right? That's the unknown. You're hoping for the best, but you just don't know. And we're going into camp without any real significant moves, with the exception of Josh Donaldson. So 
what is your level of expectations going into camp right now? What do you what do you what do you expect from this team heading into spring training? So rephrase your question for me. Are you asking me how do I think this team as it's currently constructed is going to perform over the entire season? Yes. That's sort of what I'm getting at. Like, obviously, changes are going to happen. Trades will probably be made. Guys are going to get hurt. Do you think with what we have right now, have we done enough to contend in what probably is one of the most competitive divisions in baseball? If you think about all the offseason moves that have happened, the exception of you know the Manny Machado move that was made today where he signs a 10-year, what, $300 million deal with this the Padres of all people, thank Which is God. Great news. Thank God he didn't come to the NL East. But it feels like every, every like every other division has been kind of dormant this year in terms of making big moves, with the exception of the NL East. Donaldson, McCutcheon, Real Muto, you know, every team made a at least one big splash. Edwin Diaz for the Mets, Robbie Cano for the Mets. It's like the Braves winning division, winning the division last year, set off like a shitstorm within the rest of the teams that could actually compete. Because they realize, oh shit, we can't just beat up on the Braves anymore. These guys are back. Right. Now's our time to make a move. Yeah. And they could be back for a long time. Sure. Um, Look, I like our team a lot, Graham. I understand why everyone's getting pissy. It's tough to sit back and watch all these big moves be made. And I'm just assuming Bryce Harper is going to be on the Phillies. Right. And if that happens, they're automatically the favorites. Okay, so Buddy had a 1.3 war. Last year. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. And compare this to Nick Markakis's war last year of 2.6. Is that a 6 or a 5, Graham? That's a 6. That's a 2.6. And you're telling me that Bryce Harper is worth 10 years and over $300 million. Like, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And I almost hope that the Phillies do sign him. Because really yes, injured or something like that. Well, he doesn't even need to get injured. Like he hit like two thirty something last year. You know, like it, I think it's going to go down as one of the worst contracts in baseball history. Ooh, I like that hot take. Yeah, I mean, I think Bryce is supremely talented. And comparing one season of Marcakis to Harper doesn't holistically tell the whole story. But Harper has been known to have really down years like this for him. His defense is, getting, and that's in his contract year when people, of course, generally rake. Right, his defense is getting worse, and he's becoming more of a power hitter, and he's not hitting lefties very well, and he's getting older. And it's not like he's an old man it's or anything like that. I don't know if I'd say getting older, but but I mean, like he's not. He's. I feel like he's been he's been playing since 2010, so he's been playing since like 18 or 19. I'm not saying he's like past his prime or anything. But if you if you look at Bryce Harper's career, the only year he had where it was like legendary was his 2015 MVP campaign, where he posted a 9.9 WAR when he was just all around insane, hit like 330 at a 645 or 50 slugging percentage, whatever he had. So it is interesting that even though Harper is a great talent and he's had good seasons and one legendary amazing season, that he is. And it's because the Scott Boris factor, his agent, is asking for so much money, whereas Machado consistently over the years has put up five, six, seven war every year he's been in the league, whereas, you know, with Harper, he's only had one really, like, amazing season, and that's it. So it's, it's kind of fascinating. And you could be right. It could be one of the worst deals in baseball. It could be up there with the Albert Pujols Angels deal that, yeah. that they're still feeling the effects from. And. Would it win the offseason? Yes. And that's one of Anthopolis's lines that I can get on board with. So it kind of sets up into the whole athletic article that came out right. with, with Dave O'Brien and uh, Jeff Schultz mm-hmm. that they got a lot of shit for. It just seems like they're skirting around it. It's like I'm tired of the promises that they keep giving of, you know, we can shop in any aisle, which Anthopolis has said multiple times. Terry McGurk has said, Liberty Media doesn't control what, what we do. I control that. I'm, you know, sort of the principal owner. They just sign the checks. And that, you know, we're going to trend towards being more of a middle market team in the next five years, which is what the article says. And it's like, you know, you guys have been promising for years that we're going to expand payroll. And we have this... $33 million, according to this article, um, are coming, that's coming off the books. And yet, we are below payroll from last year. 
And we haven't made, outside of Josh Donaldson, as we mentioned, we haven't made any significant moves. When there have been guys that we could have gotten, not necessarily saying we got a Splurge and Harper or Machado, but Dave Robertson. Why the fuck can we have gotten him? Really good relief pitcher. How many years did he end up signing for? It was a two-year, $23 million deal to the Phillies. And it's like, why couldn't we afford that for a really good late-inning reliever that we sorely need? And that's one thing where this team concerns me, Adam, is the pitching staff, not necessarily the starters as much, even though they are young, but the bullpen flamed out in part because the starters, with the exception of Fulte, took a while to get their mojo going. And by the time they did, you know, in late July, August, the bullpen was up in flames. And so it's kind of like we could we need to add some pieces to the bullpen to help us. And it's like, why couldn't we have given Dave Robertson this or more? I would have said, hey, Dave, here's two years. They're offering you 23. Here's 26. Here's $3 million extra million for you. Why couldn't we have gone on and getting this, gotten this guy who's proven year in and year out to be a consistent late-inning reliever who could be your closer and is a veteran who could teach the young guy something like mentor? So you say that with David Robertson. What about uh, Kimbrell? I mean, it'd be great if we can get Kimbrel. He's still unsigned, and apparently the rumor is the Red Sox are out. So if we have all this money to spend, why can't we throw it at Kimbrel? And not to say that we need to sign him to a five-year, $100 million deal, which is what he wanted, or what he, maybe he still wants. But he's got to realize at this point, pitchers and catchers reported, and hey, even though you're in Orlando, you haven't reported to shit. You're reporting to the golf course. So obviously the price has to come down on him. Why can't we give him... Somewhere in the year of three to four years for $40 million. I know that's a hell of a lot less than what he wants, but he gets to come home to the South, to, to the place where he started. And, you know, you add a guy like that, consistency in the back end of the bullpen, which is something we sorely lacked last season for the most part, that would be a huge get oh, for yeah, the Braves. Because I do think our bullpen now, I'm not as concerned about it as Graham is, just because... We add Darren O'Day that people forget about. And that's that's $11 million, so that's money added right there that you kind of forget about. Yeah, Darren O'Day, you know, he's a really, like I mentioned when we got him, um, really good pitcher for the Orioles. And he was he was hurt when we got him. That's why you didn't see him last year. But if he's healthy, kind of reminds me a little bit of a Flaherty. In a sense, he's a lefty. Yeah, Flaherty in his prime. Lefty, nasty, except he's got like a little sidearm submarine delivery, good off-speed stuff. Like that could be a really valuable get that not a lot of people are considering. So you're yeah. right about that. So you got O'Day, you got Sabatka for a full year, which he didn't show up till September last year. Yeah, um, and then you've got plug in all the different young guys that could be hopefully mixed and matched. the growth of Mentor. Hopefully Shane Carl continues to. Evolve. Yeah, so I mean, I think we're we're okay there. I'm not. I don't think it's as big of a weakness as last year. I just don't think we have like an established guy. Who do you go to right now? Who do you go to? Who's your closer right now if you have to pick? Mentor. Gun to your head. Mentor? Yeah. And he struggled a lot with his, his consistency last year in his location. But he still got the job done. Sometimes. And say what you will. I, I feel like there's certain positions in baseball where you can look at stats all you want, but if a guy can get the job done, he can get a job done. There's plenty of guys that weren't able to, that had nasty stuff, but you throw them in the ninth inning, they don't get the job done. Yeah. Mentor got the job done. Mm-hmm. More often than not. Yeah. I think to circle back to this athletic article, um, the, the frustrating issue I have with the Braves right now with McGurk and with Anthopolis is they keep saying, oh, you know, maybe we don't have to spend now, but this is going to set us up well for the future. Like, the, like they said that during the season. They said, oh, in the offseason, we're going to have all this money to shop in any aisle. Now they're saying in this article, oh, you know, we might not spend now, but we're going to have the flexibility to make moves the trade deadline. And we're, we can make some big moves there. And right. it's like they keep – it's like the fish – it's like we're the fish and they got this bait and we keep biting and keep expecting these bullshit promises to happen and they don't. And it's very frustrating to be misled. And I think that's where a lot of the, yeah, it, maybe the vitriol if, comes from, from the fan base. If he had never said anything, I don't think it's an issue. But, I mean, I think it, the other point that he said is, you have, like, it's about the market. And he's not going to do these ridiculous 10 years – Tenure deals that so many people want. I think that's fine, and I think it doesn't just speak to Anthopolis and McGurk. Even though I I I do take umbrage a little bit with how they're presenting what they're saying. I you know because it's almost like they're guaranteeing something with 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 the way with their language right now. But I take you know but with with baseball, 
all of baseball, you think about it. There's over 100 free agents that are still out there who haven't signed deals. Spring training is right around the corner, and a lot of guys have reported to camp. And it's not just the Braves that aren't making big moves. It doesn't feel it's like... Everywhere. yeah. It happened uh, last year, too. Right. And, and I think we could be getting to a big problem with the players' union and, and ownership and in terms of how these deals are constructed. And, and who knows? We could be going towards a strike in the next year or two whenever the next collective bargaining agreement comes up because it's becoming a crisis to the point now where there's so many players that aren't on a team because of the expectations that have been set by all these contracts that have been signed in the past. So that's something to watch out for the larger context of baseball. But in terms of the Braves, it's just like there are some moves I feel like they could have made this year that could have helped us. Dave Robertson stands out to me as, as one of the biggest ones from the bullpen standpoint. Well, like I said, I mean, there's still guys out there now like, my boy Bud Norris is still out there. Go sign him for a couple mil if you want to add some depth you, you, to the bullpen. You, could. Um, you know, Keiko's out there. I don't really want him. What, what's Adam Jones's deal? I don't. Is he hurt or old or what? The problem with Adam Jones to me as a player is um, he's a terrible on base percentage. You know, he he he's like strikes out too much. Strikes out a lot. He has no plate discipline. His defense is degrading. He's getting older. He's approaching thirty if he's not already there. I think he has. He is there. And uh, power's gone down. I mean, everything's regressing. He's okay. still a solid player. That's fair. He's still a solid player, but the older he gets, it's like the more the strikeouts go up and the, the lower the on-base percentage goes. And then defensively, I mean, he's probably a better defender than Marcakis. Fuck the gold glove and all that shit, but I wouldn't want to make that move. Like, so, I would rather bring back Marcakis on a one-year deal than give Adam Jones three right. or four so, years. Yeah, so that's, that's great to hear. Because also, I mean, not only... It's not that we just brought Marcakis back to play 162 games like he did last year. Mm-hmm. We've got Donaldson at third. Sure. So that means Camargo's our super utility. Sure. And they were they were talking today about how he's been he's already working in the outfield with Ron Washington and Austin Riley's working in the outfield with Ron Washington. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, I think Riley you don't know what the future at third base is. And you want to keep Camargo and you want to keep Riley. So honestly, if Donaldson walks or you can't extend, let's say Donaldson has a monster year. Let's say he produces MVP caliber numbers. He's going to seek something long-term because it's the last deal he's ever going to get because he's like 32 or 33 years old. So the good news is you have Riley, you have Camargo. And if those guys can be as multifaceted as possible and be able to play third base and outfield, that opens up a whole level of opportunity and keep your budget controllable in the hopes of maybe finally making a big free agent move for some other position and you like corner outfield once again will come up next year after Marquez leaves again. But I mean you just yeah, just think about it in the terms of this year though and why maybe they're not making moves. Like if you can plug in Camargo out there in the outfield or Austin Riley, I mean you could art I mean Austin Riley could be he's not Acuna, but like he could have an Acuna like spring and who the hell knows. Yeah. You never know. You never know. It's, it's, it will be interesting because the Braves do have an abundance of young talent. And I'm glad that we didn't make the real Muto move, and I'm glad we haven't like overpaid for someone that's ridiculous. It just would have been nice if we could have plugged some holes with some guys like uh, a David Robertson or if we could have swung a Mitch Hanniger deal from Seattle Mariners, who's a very talented outfielder. With our prospect, um, you know, the, the depth of our farm system now that has been built up mostly by Coppolella and Hart, it's like, why why can't we be a little bullish? Not necessarily for real Muto, because I don't want to inherit a almost 30-year-old catcher who only has two years left on his deal. But with Hanniger, who's a young, powerful corner-hitting outfielder with the Mariners, why can't we blow the Mariners away with a deal to get a nice, controllable piece who is a who is a monster? And the Mariners are clear that they're selling because they got rid of Edwin Diaz. They got rid of Robbie Cano. And, you know, they've tried to move some other pieces this year that, ha- that hasn't happened. It's like... I just wish we could have made something happen there, even though I heard repeatedly that the Mariners do not want to move on from Hanager, but it's like, blow them the fuck away. Yeah, but but then then you're getting rid of what? Tukey, not, not probably Wilson Tukey. Contreras, who's our future catcher, Try, Austin Riley. No, I'm not saying you get rid I mean, I'm saying be selective about if who you get If you blow them away, that's who, you got to give up those guys. Maybe, but it's just like... It's not like they're going to take Colby Allard and Gohara and call it a day. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Maybe you do. I don't know. I just feel like that's a guy that can help you win now. If you're in the business of winning now, sometimes you got to bite the bullet. Because that's because not everybody's going to be a player on this team. Not everybody's going to be... 
you know, especially the pitching, the pitching, uh, the depth of the, the the pitching in the farm system. It's like not everybody's going to be in the rotation. But I know, but I think this year is kind of our year that we're going to find out which one of these guys are ready to be that ace. Feel like I think we've been so, saying someone, that for someone's going to step years. up. I hope you're right. I think Fulte has a potential. We're, we're obviously so much closer after last year than we were. Like, I agree. So I agree. We didn't see Soroka till last year. We didn't see Tukey till last year. Yeah. Tukey, I think, has such a high ceiling. If he can get his walks under control, that man's going to be an absolute Ian Anderson's monster. about to be ready. Like, yeah. we, we weren't that close a couple of years ago. They, they were selling us on that we were close with guys like Whistler. Fuck that. And Blair. We, we, were, we were too young and immature to understand the difference sure. between a real prospect and... A maybe five starter. I think road. Whistler was so hyped up because I think was I think he was involved in the Justin Upton deal, and you just expected like that guy to be a yeah. a bona fide ace, and it didn't work out unfortunately. Yeah. But but to get back yeah. to your original question about mm-hmm. twenty five minutes ago, what do I think about the team this year? <laughs> sure, here's where I'm at, and, right. and correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. in any of these. Yeah, um, based off our team from last year, our outfield is better. Because you got, remember last year we started with Preston Tucker in left field. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I was about to say it's this fucking same outfield. So it's a right. full okay. season of Acuna. All right, yep. Plus not playing Marquecas as much, which means plugging in um, potentially a Camargo or Camargo, maybe an Austin Rally down the road. Maybe maybe Duvall comes back Oof. better. All right, so outfield's better. You agree with me there? Solely because we have Acuna for a full year, no other reason. Infield's better. You got Josh Donaldson at third. Last okay. last year we didn't know who was at this point. We didn't really know who our third baseman was going to be. Right. So you got Donaldson at third. Mm-hmm. Healthy Dansby. Albie's coming back to his second year, which I expect him to be better. And Freddie. Okay. We could be worse off at catcher. I think we're worse off at catcher with losing Suzuki. Bullpen's better than it was last year. I think the jury's out. I wouldn't say yes or no. I mean, only guy we've lost was um, what's his face? Peter Moylan. No, well, him too. But <laughs> but also um, the guy, other guy we got from the Orioles. Oh, uh, Brock, Brad Brock. Brock's gone. Yeah. Um, but Sabaka and the young guys. It just feels like it's mostly the same team and with a downgraded catcher and a. But the know, added depth but, on the bench. Yeah, the well. added depth at bench. You have. A rotation where you don't know where that's going. You hope that it gets better. There's a lot of potential for it to get better. It's just a lot of unknowns. Even Donaldson's an unknown. Can he stay healthy? He hasn't had a full, you know, a healthy season in like three or four years. So it's like, can he stay healthy and be the player that we know yeah. he can be? It's just, it feels like there's too many unknowns, and you're never guaranteed anyone with someone coming onto the team or with the, the evolution and growth of young players. But it just feels like we didn't do enough. And the offseason is still going on, but it just feels like right now we didn't do enough to you know, put us in the best position to succeed to fill some holes that we probably could have filled. Think about it this way. We had Falcons last coming into this past season. Mm-hmm. We thought it was, it was Super Bowl or bust, sure. right? It was everything, bust. everything was lined up. Yep. That, like, we were all in. Yeah. We're going for it. Right. And a lot of shit went wrong. Sure. Um, so, if, I mean, if we traded all our prospects this year, just did whatever and screwed our future, then I can only hear a couple about, injuries and... Yeah. I can only hear about the future for so long, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're like, saying. I, I would rather be up to, be set up to win now and eight years down the road versus just this season. Yeah, I just it's going to be tough to compete in this NL East this year. But I'm not saying we can't. It's just going to be a hell of a lot harder than it was last year. I don't think there's any doubt about that with the improvements that have been made, especially if Harper signs and even his war be damned. He is, you know, he's only two or three years removed from being an absolute monster. So, we'll see. Yeah, he's a loser. That's fair. I don't like him either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that about covers the Bra- you have any other Braves stuff you want to hit on? Yeah, the other little, I guess another unknown, but um, possible upside is Luis Gahara, who last year, last year at this time, now we're talking about Tuki, last year we were talking about Gohara. As a potential mm-hmm. ace, sure. And he came into camp last year, and well, actually had a hard time getting into camp, and he had put on a ton of weight and a lot of family issues off the field too. 
can't remember his dad died or mom died or both died. It was, you know, a lot of people having issues in his family. I think his mom got sick and his dad died in the offseason. I think that's what happened. So, I mean, he he could be a comeback player type of guy. He, he's apparently lost, what, 40 pounds? 40 pounds, they say. And it, it was kind of like I read something today where he was talking to reporters and he, and he was just like, I feel bad for all the people that said I was going to be an all-star last year. I had, like, a really good season. I fucked up. And all the reporters said, hey, don't feel bad about that. We just, you know, we, we wrote, wrote what we saw. And he's like, no, I just... That's the expectation. Well, Freddie Freeman said it, too. Freddie Freeman said it, too, which he didn't mention, I don't think, in this article I read. But, you know, I think that's humbling in the sense that it sounds like he's, you know, wants to be the guy, wants to be the ace, wants to be as good as he can be, and he apparently has all the potential of the world. So hopefully he's going to channel that energy this year into remaining healthy and being able to cope enough with the personal issues he's had with his family and be able to maybe take whatever's bottled up, any anger, any, like, God, I feel like I wasted a year, and, and channel it into having a good season this year. And even though it's early, it shows that he's committed at least by losing 30 to 40 pounds because, you know, he was huge last year. And it's tough to pitch with all that weight, you know, being 250-plus. I mean, CC Sabathia made a career out of it. But that's going to take a toll of your body as you get older. And the fact that he's realizing that as a young guy now is encouraging and shows that he is – coming to camp with hopefully a clear mindset and ready to perform to the best of his ability. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, like you said, he was humbled. He understands that he's got to work for it. It's not just going to be easy. Yeah. It was a massive setback and see what the kid does. Right, and time heals all wounds in terms of the personal stuff. So hopefully, you know. That just shows how deep we are with these prospects too. Like he's he was just kind of like a complete forgotten about guy at right. this point. Especially when you had Tukey come up and Soroka had the run he had before Probably he got 10 injured. 10 people jumped him. You know, that's the thing about when you start talking about these prospects is you start thinking, man, if we can get two or three of these guys to be absolute monsters, you know, which is possible. I mean, yeah. I think you could say Tukey could be a monster, Soroka could be a monster, Fulty's on his way to being a monster. You know, son of a bitch. That could, that could be some impressive stuff. So maybe you get why Anthopolis wants to hold on to these guys. I understand. I understand. It's, Until it's like, the trade deadline when we know for sure. It's like, all right, let's go out and get us that ace now. Right, and that could certainly happen. But I also understand, and I'm somewhat a part of the people who are pissed off about not making a more significant move because it feels like we've been spoon-fed shit for years and it never happens. Yeah, I mean, not having the payroll, at least where it was last year, that seems un- unexcusable. Yeah, and... I'm always the biggest apologist, but I'll even yeah. say that. Yeah, much. I was about to say, you have an undying loyalty to what the team says. You you are a, a, an apologist, you're a loyalist, um, you're unabashed in your in, in that, and I can respect but that. But I also just want Kimbrel. If we go out and sign <laughs> if we go out and sign Kimbrel, yeah. Could people still complain if we sign Kimbrel? I well, think I don't, uh, well, well, some Hugh, people Hugo, Hugo, Hugo will, will definitely complain. complain. We know Hugo yeah. will complain. But yeah. it just makes us so deep. Yeah. And, and I don't care about the Red Sox using Chris Sale instead of Kimbrell. Kimbrell did have an issue in the postseason, but it doesn't mean he's still not one of the better closers in baseball. He automatically makes your team better. If you look at the entire roster of our of our bullpen, makes it Kimbrell is deep as hell, man. So much better than the rest of them. If you have an improved Viscaino, an improved mentor, especially in Kimbrell, it's your seventh, eighth, and ninth guy. Guys, night in, night out. And Sabatka. And potentially Sabatka could be O'Day. the seventh inning guy. You have O'Day as your O'Day always excelled in the 6th and 7th inning. So, yeah. Freed coming out of there. Freed is a guy this year that I really think can make that next step. I think he's the under-the-radar kind of black sheep. You always hear about Tukey and Soroka, but I think Freed, every time I saw him pitch last year, I was like, he's got, I don't know, he just gave me a great feeling. And and you can point at various things where he blew up during the season, but, like, when he was on, his stuff is outstanding. I think he can be... As good as I think his ceiling is really high, and I think it's he's a guy that not a lot of people are talking about. I kind of like that heading into heading into spring training. I think Freed can be a monster, and this could he could come out of nowhere and shock people. I think not really out of nowhere because people, you know, have the expectations for him. But outside of like all the other prospects of of the Tukis and of the Goharas and whatnot, and the Sorokas, I think he could be better than all of them. Spring training done yet? I'm ready for this shit to start. Yeah, me too. So, Adam, let's transition to our lovely Atlanta Hawks in the midst of their season as opposed to the Braves. Had an uh, interesting all-star weekend for our guys, John Collins and Trey Young. As we close out the season, 
Got a big win first against... First half. First, uh, yeah, sorry. Close out the first half of the season. The big win against LeBron. That was uh, sweet. In the Lakers. That was a lot of fun. I think that was one even you wanted us to win, right? Mm-hmm. Because I hate LeBron. The player, not the man. Especially when they play in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And you got all those people that were wearing Cavs jerseys last year. Now they're wearing... Lakers jerseys. Brand new, or, excuse brand me, new Lakers Fakers jerseys. Fakers jerseys. And, uh, yeah. And that was, that was really nice to see. Big game by Trey Young, 19 points, 14 assists. Hell of a game. John Collins, of course, did his part. And LeBron had a triple-double, but you could just tell watching him how frustrated he was by his teammates. Oh, yeah. It is a total disconnection. I have a little bit of it in here. Our, um, one of the people who was connected with our company uh, was in town that week, and he actually knows the owners of one of the, one of the owners of the Hawks. Well, that's a legitimate end. Yeah, and he got to sit courtside. Yeah, I actually saw him on TV. It was hilarious. I was like, "Hey, there he is!" Yeah, and uh, that was fun. But he's a big Lakers fan. He's from LA, and so he was sitting there. I I talked to him the next day, and you know, and he was like, "Yeah, just you know, I was talking to some people about LeBron, and they're just saying he has no friends, no friends at all in that locker room." And all these guys are so much younger than him. He's like 35, and he just can't connect with any of them yeah. and doesn't know what to do, and it's just a bad situation. It's like a bad situation. And I, I thought that was fascinating because you kind of know that, but hearing somebody who has like an in there who knows some people with, you know, knows some people with the Lakers, and he was like schmoozing in that club area. Yeah. Got to see Magic Johnson, who was there and all Dang. that shit, and it was just like... So that you, was you, interesting. You, that's like usually when you say you have an in with somebody, it's like... You have a friend who's a fan of the Cowboys, yeah, or, no, or like Alexa's an Orioles fan, right? No, no, this that sounds more legitimate. Yeah, no, um, I won't use his name, but he is a very connected man who knows a lot of people, and yeah, and and he loves LeBron. He's really excited. That he's in LA, but he's like, yeah, it's just, and he loves Kuzma and all those guys, but he's, he he just this team doesn't work as constructed. I mean, we the Hawks just looked like. More of a team than the Lakers. Oh, there's yeah. Like LeBron has his triple double, but it's like the ugliest triple double in history. Like it's right. forced almost. Whereas the Hawks, when they're on, it's like John to Trey feels like they've been doing it their whole lives. Mm-hmm. LeBron to Reggie Bullock feels like it's you know something that it's like a relationship that's forced. Like right. it, it has to exist just because it has to. It's not like it, they want to. Like John and Trey. Love working together. Yeah, that that radiates off the court. Kevin, Omari, you know, all those guys love playing with each other, and that came across in that game. And the Hawks, even though it was an ugly game down the stretch, it was a really nice win for a team that no one thought could do anything. And the more that they win, I mean, I still don't want us to get to the point where we fall out of the draft lottery. But there are certain games where I'm like, we should fucking win this game. Yeah. This could build the confidence of the guys moving forward and develop them. Yeah, so, and that, that's that's the two. The two sides of the argument. It's yeah. the value of just losing and getting as high of a possible pick as we can or the value of them learning how to win and yeah. being ready to win next year. Right, and we've beaten some good teams this year. Thunder, I'm not saying the Lakers are a good team, but that Thunder victory was the best win of the season. But seeing us take out LeBron was nice when he comes to Atlanta for the only time he's going to come this year. And then you see the other hand of it when we lose to the freaking Knicks who are in the midst of like, what a fifteen game losing right. streak, or, something or, crazy. Or the Magic, we can't beat the Magic for some yeah, reason. Yeah. It's like they they have our number. So there's always going to be those ups and downs. But when they win, it's very exciting. Even when they lose, they're still going out there and doing their thing. And and that has paid off for John Collins and Trey Young, who got to participate in the All Star Weekend this weekend. John um, in the Slam Dunk, and Trey in the Skills Competition. And Trey actually made it to the finals of the Skills Competition, and he beat Luka Doncic in the semifinals. Which I was, was exciting. I was watching um, the skills competition. My, my whole plan, we were going to a concert in East Atlanta, and my whole plan was to watch all of that before the concert. The concert mm-hmm. wasn't until like 10, and right. it started today. I was like, surely they'll get to the dunk competition by then. Not at all. They dragged that thing out oh, forever, yeah. man. You know what was great is I, I had a really packed weekend because I was shooting a short, I was helping shooting a short film over the, uh, over the weekend, so I didn't get to watch the All-Star stuff till like last night. Mm-hmm. I didn't know really what happened. And so we just fast forward through all the commercials, all the bullshit, all the guys talking. It There's was a lot fantastic. of it, huh? We finished it maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's much better. Yeah. But the skills competition, I saw all of that there. And um, 
I didn't think people were paying attention, but then when it was Trey versus Luca, yeah, people were like, yeah, yeah. like everyone cheered all of a sudden. Right. I was like, okay, people give a shit about Atlanta. Yeah, I loved when he hit that three. That to was beat Luca. It was like, yeah, yeah suck yeah. it. I mean, that was the one he hit from like half point. I mean, uh, half court, right? Yeah. Or was Luca the one he? No, no. That was the first the first round that he won where he like he was behind because he missed the first like three passes yeah. and he of, drilled the long shot. And, he drilled and then Luca, you could see him hustling a lot more, and he just. Yeah, Crushed Trey him. did some nifty stuff there. When on the layup part of the drill, he passed the ball to himself. He like threw it forward. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really nice, um, but it kind of wound up screwing him at the end when he faced off against Jason Tatum at, at, in, in the finals because he got ahead and he missed his. He was about to make his first. He was actually about to make the first his first attempt at the three pointer, but Tatum because he's behind, he launched a half court shot. Not Trey's ball out simultaneously and made the half court three off the backboard. So it was sort of like that can only happen to Atlanta. Yeah, classic Atlanta. God damn it. There. Yeah. Um, and we were just looking for any win we could get. Right. Like that would have been a yeah. huge win Even for us. Even though the skills competition <laughs> yeah. is silly as shit. It means shit. nothing. I mean, it's so dumb. It's like passing and then you dribble between a bunch of, uh, not even cones, like fucking rectangles that are on the court for some reason. Stand up rectangles. Mannequins. Mannequins. And then you do a layup and then you shoot a three pointer. It's like, it still would have been nice to win, but Trey had a respectable showing, making it to the finals and losing on a half-court shot. You can't really... No. And especially, like, his first three-pointer was going to go in. I mean, the only thing that mattered was beating Luca. He beat Luca. If he hadn't beat Luca, he would be, still be hearing about it today. But yeah. because he beat Luca, he's fine. He's exonerated from that shit. And then I think John Collins got absolutely fucked in the dunk contest. I agree. And let's talk about his first dunk, which only got eights from all five judges. He literally grabbed one side of the backboard, went under the rim, and then slammed it with his other hand. That's an impressive dunk. That deserves at least a nine. Here's what he had across the board. Here's what he had going against him. He went first. We hadn't seen a dunk all night. Yeah, and his dunks weren't as flashy. They were more like technically sound dunks, and the other dunks were a little flashier. But Dennis Smith Jr., could not make, from the Knicks, couldn't make a fucking dunk to save his life. John didn't miss any of his dunks. Dennis Smith Jr.'s may have been a little more um, complicated, a little more flashy. He's trying to do, like, through-the-leg 360s and backboard, off the backboard, through-the-legs dunks and shit like that, which is admirable, but he got so many opportunities. And yet, even though he missed four or five dunks or whatever it is, almost, like, every time, he was getting higher scores than John who was making his dunks, and he dunked over a fucking plane. Yeah. Like, John Collins' second dunk, where he literally brought out, like, these guys dressed as Tuskegee Airmen, or maybe they were Tuskegee Airmen, and then brought out, like, a plane to, you know, and, and, and uh, to symbolize, you know, the Wright brothers who were from North Carolina first in flight and all that shit. Brought out, like a, like, a plane that looked like the Wright brothers' plane and jumped over it and dunked over it from almost, from, like, the free throw line almost. And it's like, you're literally going to tell me that this asshat who makes... Sorry, not an asshat. I'm sorry, Dennis Smith Jr., you're not an asshat. But this guy who makes a dunk that was impressive but took him five times to make it is better than John Collins jumping over a fucking plane from the free throw line and making it on his first First try. attempt, yeah. Yeah. Like, that was a bunch of bullshit. Well, like, was it... Who was it the first round that missed every single one of his dunks? That was Dennis Smith Jr. And he still got sevens. He didn't get sevens, he got nines. Or whatever it was. Somebody missed all of their... Like, they didn't make one. Oh, oh, I know you're talking about. It was, um... It wasn't the guy who won. It wasn't Dennis Smith Jr. But somebody else. But it was the, the, other, it was the, the bottom line is that you could have missed your dunk five times and still right. get sevens across the board. But John Collins made that ridiculous dunk. Yeah, where he grabs and, one part of the backboard. Eights. Yeah, where he grabs one part of the backboard and then goes under with the other hand and dunks it. I mean, that, that was an impressive yeah, dunk. Yeah, he got screwed. But the other thing he's got going against him is that he's tall. So Hamadou Diallo, the, the Thunder guy who won the championship, literally dunked over Shaq. I mean, you, you can't really do much better than that. Uh, dunking over somebody who's 7-1. I don't think anybody... People have dunked over cars. John Collins dunked over a plane. It, people have dunked over people before. Kevin Hart's been dunked over. But no one has dunked over Shaq. And that that alone was just... Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, like you got to give it up for that. Yeah. So, But I think John got fucked in the sense that he should have been able to move on especially over Dennis Smith Jr., who missed like six times every time he um, tried to attempt a dunk. He even made one of his dunks, which was like some through-the-legs 360 thing. It like flew off his hand and went in 
But they said, oh, no, his hand didn't touch the rim, so he gets to go again. And you apparently only get, like, four attempts, but he got, like, seven attempts because the ball kept slipping off his hand or something. It's just a bunch of bullshit. It's New York, man. Yeah, I thought it was ridiculous. If he was still in Dallas, he wouldn't have gotten all those opportunities, but now that he plays for the Knicks. Right. I guess. I don't know. Biggest market. Let him keep going. I hope John comes back to the dunk contest because, like... I mean, I it's got know. incredible. Ups. I hope he doesn't worry about that shit anymore. He shouldn't. We're just gonna win because I remember so. he was talking about it after it was over, and he said, "You know, I didn't get a chance to do the dunks that I really wanted to do. Like these were just kind of like the he, dunks. He just assumed those would get him to the next round, right? Yeah. Which is fair, I think, because they were technically very sound dunks. I mean, you've and seen they were his impressive. in, in game. Like I watched leading up to the dunk contest, there was like a video of the highlights of all the dunkers in game dunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and John Collins was better than any mm-hmm. of those. Like, they're and, just so powerful. And during the uh, the Rising Stars game, he did a 360 alley-oop from Trey Young, which mm. was unfucking believable Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to look into the stats that much in that game because no one's playing defense. It's kind of like a mini... It's like a junior version of the All-Star Trey game. Trey had, like, 25 and 11. Right, which is nice, but it's yeah. like, whatever. But that 360 alley-oop was sick as all hell. I mean, what the fuck do you want? Um. So I hope, I hope he does it again, but if he doesn't, it's not a big There's deal. things... It doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. It, you're, you're sort of just living in the moment. Yeah. You know? Still feel a little butthurt about it, though. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I think we're pretty well locked into the fifth slot right now. Yeah. And, and, and we'll see how it goes. I don't really know, like, who's There's a schedule. lot of bad teams out there. That's the thing, Like, man. the Bulls, Suns, Knicks, they're all... No, Cavs. Cavs. Cavs are awful. They're all, t- like, really bad. Like, yeah. There's no way. I'm just glad that the, the rules have been changed by Adam Silver, who we actually saw when we were at the Martin Luther King Day game. I forgot about I mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he walked right past us because we were, we were pretty close to the floor, but it was incredible how skinny he was. He must weigh a buck 20 or something. It's, it's unbelievable. He's a little bad. Yeah. But I think the change he made where it's, like, you know, top or bottom three teams get, what, a... 10% chance. And it's a good change. He, after he, that, you get a 15% chance. He's, he's very... Of being the number one pick. We've, we've gone through the percentages yeah. before, but he, he's very anti-tanking. Right. Which, I, which is good for the league. Yeah, and I think, obviously, this gives us a chance as a team that has a bunch of rising stars, not to piggyback after, after uh, off of All-Star Weekend, but a bunch of rising stars that puts us in a position to win more games than we'd probably like to to get the top pick, but we still have a chance if we just, you know stay in this top 10 area to uh, be in the running. So that's all we can really hope for at this point is that we continue to see consistent. That's the thing I love about John and Trey this year, even though Trey's shooting and defense and his proclivity for turning the ball over has been a little, I wouldn't say disastrous, but a little alarming. It's gotten better. It's gotten better, but overall they're putting up consistent numbers. It seems like they're getting double doubles multiple times a week, especially John Collins when he went through that one stretch where it was like three weeks of, just 25 and 15, 20, 24 and 12, whatever. You know, they're performing night in and night out, and that's all you can really ask for. So I don't think I've ever heard your – you generally have a very strong opinion one way or another. So how do you feel about us having Trey Young and not Luca? At this point, I mean, I think Luca may be the more talented player in the sense of, like, all-around game. He's got a higher field goal percentage. Currently, though. Currently. He's got a higher field goal percentage. He gets more rebounds, obviously, because he's taller. But Trey plays a more important position. Because I don't think Luka's really facilitating as much on the Mavs, right? He's not like the, the, the pure point guard or anything like that. I mean, he is, he is a point guard, but I think he, I think you're right. He plays different. Right. But with Trey, is Trey really buys into... And maybe Luka would do that if he was here, but... We, don't, we, will, we will never know that, but Trey really buys into being the catalyst on offense. Even though sometimes he does force a shot a little too much, he's, his ability to get people involved it, in the game is passing, incredible. His passing is incredible. Is incredible. And I think, you know, I will still say the jury's still out on what was the right move, but I think both of the guys are supremely talented, and you couldn't go wrong with either one of them. Maybe one of them has a better advantage than the other right now. I think Luke is maybe the better player overall from what I've seen, yeah. when I've actually seen Luke play. But I'm not upset about the fact that we have Trey Young on our team to play a vital position to facilitate the offense, and the fact that he is growing with Collins and growing with Herder and Spellman is, I think, fantastic. And and they're working really well together. It would be another story if Trey was going out there 
and getting like six points, eight, you know, maybe four or five assists a game or something like that, oh, yeah, and he wasn't really getting different. involved with John <laughs> yeah. Collins, we'd have a big problem. You know, we always talk about, you know, what's the right decision? You know, whether it turns out good or not, does it put you in the best position to succeed when you make the decision initially? And I think one could argue that this does because of what we've seen from Trey with his passing ability. His passing ability surpasses Doncic by all measures. And we needed a point guard, and we fucking got one. So I am officially, I can say today, we were recording this, on February 19th, I don't have a problem with us oh. <laughs> not having Luka on the team. I, I thought you were going to have a... A stronger positive statement than don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it. Just because Luca is also supremely talented. I don't think you can take that away from him. No. He is a better shooter. I think he can do a little more with his game than Trey can. But Trey has not been a bust. He's been fantastic so far. He's just got to keep working on improving his field goal percentage, especially from long range, his shot selection, and stop turning the ball over so much, and his defense. And but, it's not like it was a one-on-one, one-for-one trade. No, and we could also we, have a top and, ten pick. And out of what it. we got out of it sets us up to have, you know, our own first, our own top ten pick, and the Mavericks' top ten pick, which I think is great. So, I'm I am officially fine with the move. All right, here's I got another question for you. Give me a, as Joel Shaberg would say, clear, concise answer. That's going to be hard for me. <laughs> no, that's, that's why I'm prefacing. Right, Clear, sure. concise, yeah. just straight to the point. Got it. Don't need any runaround, okay? All right, put a gun to my head. We got three major professional teams, right? Right, Hawks, Falcons, Braves. Yeah. Um, a lot of people give a shit for that, but... I mean, let's be honest. That's our, the that's the our NFL, shit. the NBA... Clear, the concise, Grim. Clear, concise. I'm just going to say, just, just clarify. The NFL, the NBA, and the Major League Baseball are bigger than the MLS. Sorry. All right. Give me the list of most likely to win a championship first. Definitely not the Hawks. I still have to say the Falcons. Wow. Regardless of all the bullshit, regardless of everything they've gone through, the injuries, the blown drafts, um, losing guys that we you know relied on like Claiborne, Poe, etc. I, <laughs> I still think that with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, great Jarrett, God willing that we get him extended, that they have the best chance to win a championship before anybody else. Because those guys have been there before. They should know what it takes to win. And if we can plug the holes, we can fucking do it. It's just a matter of, can we plug the holes on the trenches? So that's all I'll say. Falcons. Okay. What would you say? My list is Braves, Hawks, Falcons. Wow. So you put the Falcons at the bottom. Yeah. I put the Hawks at the bottom. I the Braves second. I'm kind of over, like, I just don't like the direction the Falcons are going. I can understand that. Um... I just think their, I just think their that depth is so terrible. Like it, it has to be a 2016, just like perfect streak of health to have a possibility to win anything. And that may be true. I just think when you've got, you know, the more you say it, the more maybe I'm contra- you know, I'm starting to second guess myself. Because you had a healthy Julio Jones who had an amazing season last year, eight touchdowns. You don't have to worry about touchdowns things. Where Matt Ryan also had an amazing season last year. You're seven and nine. Yeah, I mean, and but I mean, last year obviously wasn't the perfect healthy health season, right? But, and you're not going to have like but, that bad of a streak of injuries again. Probably no, it's not. But I mean, just where this offensive line's at, and our big re-signing of Ty Sambrello. Oh, Jesus. That's our biggest move so far. Yeah. Even though Arthur Blank said offensive line's number one priority this mm-hmm. offseason. Well, uh, just keep in mind that the league year doesn't start until March. So you can't really do anything until then. I know. But I there's just so many moves to make. Oh, I agree. I think this segues perfectly into the, the Falcons segment. I think that's what we did. Yeah. That was a nice transition. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of the stuff we missed in our off week. Since there's not you know a shit ton going on to necessitate us having a show every week, to take Kyle Flood's place as the game manager, clock manager, timeout guy, faux head coach, 
Bob Sutton was hired instead after Flood fled to Alabama after uh, being given the job like three days afterwards. Yeah, Bob Sutton, who was the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs for the last six or seven years, um, had one of the worst defenses in the league last year, but is an experienced uh, NFL guy. He's coached at all levels, probably has a decent understanding of clock management, one would think. I don't know, but he's going to be the guy now. So, Graham, correct me if I'm wrong. You know me. I like to speak on behalf of the users. Sure. And just point out any flaws that we might have in our show. Yeah, you don't point out any flaws that any Atlanta sports team has, but you'll certainly point out flaws in the show. <laughs> yeah, mainly I'm glad with, you got your priorities. Mainly straight. with things that you've said. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure if you were binge watching our binge listening to our last two episodes, mm-hmm. when the Kyle Flood segment came on the last episode, you yeah. were like, "I just don't understand. The Falcons got rid of Kyle Flood, and from everything I'm hearing, there's no reports that they plan on replacing it. Now this is just back on Quinn. So what's up with that? Yeah. Well, now we now we know, and also. But you Falcons made it seem rid- like they openly said that they're not going to replace him. like what Quinn was intimating, that it seemed like... He took a better job. I'm not saying about Flood. I'm saying... But that's why he left. I don't know why he left. You're, 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 you're speculating. Okay. But, but with, uh, with Quinn, I just didn't know what he meant. He intimated that it seemed like he wasn't going to hire another guy. But I guess he did. And there it is. Okay. Bob Sutton is the guy. Okay. Um... I don't, so, I don't know much about Bob Sutton. Yeah, but adding someone with Bob's knowledge and experience to assist with clock and game, game management strategies will help us be the best version of the Falcons that we can be in 2019. That is a quote from Dan Quinn. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> of course, being super positive and whatnot. Um, yeah, he's been all around the league. He's coached for the Jets, coached for the Chiefs. He's been on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't know how much you read into this move, but... Because we can't have a real head coach do all the things a head coach can do, we needed somebody, and there it is. Yeah, all I see is them hiring a bunch of senior guys who've been there, done that. Sure. And I don't mind it, honestly, because no, I, I, I think, don't either. I, I think if you have Cutter, Malarkey, Sutton, all these guys have had... Don't forget about our quarterback's coach. Oh, and yeah, Greg Knapp. I mean, all these guys have had either big-time coordinating or, or head coaching experience in the league. And I think with Sutton, it's good, too, because you get someone with a lot of experience coming into the coaching staff now, whereas, you know, the last couple of years, it's been like Quinn and Sark and Marquand Manuel. You know, the guy with the most experience on the coaching staff is Keith Armstrong, who arguably, not even arguably, I mean, legitimately, was the coach of the least important part of your team, the special team. I mean, look with the Rams, who were just in the Super Bowl this past year. You got Sean McVay, mm-hmm. and his defensive coordinator is Wade Phillips, mm-hmm. the ultimate veteran. Sure. And I'm, it, that's there for a reason. Right. Right, so it could be a good thing. I mean, I think if you have all these guys in here who, have, who are experienced, and it's, and it's definitely a big transition for the coaching staff. You've gone from super young guys to oldsters, but you still got Dan Quinn there. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works out in the sense of, oh, these guys react with being under Dan Quinn. And also, what can they, what can they teach Dan Quinn? Well, I can tell you what Dan Quinn's going to say about the opportunity. He's jacked about it. He's jacked about it, baby. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, so we re-signed Ty Sambreo to a three-year deal today, apparently. Um what are the what are the financials on this? Like, why are we re-signing a guy who has pretty much sucked for his entire tenure with the Falcons to a three-year deal? Are we expecting him to be a starter with that kind of deal? I, I, I'm expecting we are. I mean, I think this is a really but they, they didn't release the financials, which leads me to believe he's probably even taken a pay cut. I don't think it's a major move, Graham. It's interesting. I mean, like. He 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 wasn't awful by the end of the year last year, but I mean it was like Well that's a huge thing for you to say about him. He's still, you know, especially early I mean, he just gets blown by so many times by by defensive linemen that it's, it's just it's just not a signing that, that gets the, the the meter moving, especially with Quinn and Arthur Blank saying offensive lines are top priority and everything and Dan Quinn went on record saying that everything else needs to be scrubbed with the exception of uh Jake Matthews and Alex Mack. And yet he brings back this guy. Well, that means Schrader is gone. I guess, but it's like, 
depth. This guy has never shown anything to me of a modicum of consistency. You just said be, he wasn't terrible. I know, but that was I said at the end of last year, near near the part of the season that didn't matter. Everybody started to play better for some reason. Somebody they're like, oh, that's enough for us I, to bring him back I, as depth. I guess, but for three fucking years? Oh, they're not guaranteed contracts. I know, but it's like, how much is guaranteed? We have no idea what the financials are of this deal, and I am not a fan of this. Like, that's the guy that, if there's one guy that should walk, it's Tyson Rayo. He's been mostly garbage since he's been here. You know, Graham, I'll put energy into getting worked up with you over a lot of things, but but not this. The signing of Tyson Rayo is not one of them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you're, it to you're you. Not gonna dignify me with no. a. Uh, an over-the-top reaction from that, okay. I'll go to fight for my head coach, but not Ty Sambrello. All right, that's fair. Um, what do you think about cutting Brian Poole, which I also think happened last week during our off week? Well, it's surprising. I thought we kind of needed him as depth, and that's why I'm very concerned about our depth, as sure. I said. Especially in the secondary, right? Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're going with the second-year player, with KZ. Well, KZ and uh, Oliver. Right. Isaiah Oliver. Yeah, yeah. You mean Oliver a second year, yeah. This yeah. is KZ's third year coming into the season, yeah. I think it means that they have a lot of faith in Oliver. And I think it means they have a lot of faith in KZ. And I think it also Which is means... fair. Right. But I also think it means... I think KZ it's fair. Oliver is undetermined, but KZ it's fair. But I think it also means in the X factor that a lot of people are forgetting about is they really... They must think... That Ricardo Allen is ready to rock by the start of the season from that torn Achilles. Which is um, surprising to me that now we are so um, white in the secondary. But I don't I don't mind getting rid of... I mean, like, Alfred, you knew it was going to happen. Fine. Poole wasn't the best cover corner. But he was good at blitzing the cornerback and he was decent at covering. You know, he wasn't going to absolutely kill you or anything. So it's... I, I am kind of surprised at the move. Also wonder what this does for the draft. Does this mean Thomas is going to draft a cornerback in the third or fourth round or something like that? Um, opens up a lot of possibilities for the team, but also kind of exposes us. You know, you were talking about depth earlier for the Falcons. I think it could potentially hurt our depth. Yeah, we better be signed. Like, I mean, you can't do everything through the draft, so there better be a... Johan Camargo of secondary players out there that we can sign kind sure. of under the radar yeah. and just plug and play. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's 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 a bit questionable to me, but I mean, like, you can probably get someone to come in for less than what Poole is making to maybe do as decent a job of, uh, as he was. Because he wasn't a world-beating secondary player or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, he was probably yeah. asking too much money. Right, and the only thing that you can really remember him by is him just lighting the shit out of Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game, just sacking the fuck out of him. Like, that's that's what comes to mind with, with me. But other than that, it's like the only other recent memory I have of him is him being one of the two players that whiffed on ending the career of Drew Brees in that Falcons-Saints <laughs> game at, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where we had two guys on Drew Brees, but yet he spun around them at 39 years old and went into the end zone. So that's the last really real memory I have of Brian Poole. So, so good riddance. So I sort of wipe my hands of him to a degree, but I also wonder what will be done to uh, you know facilitate the loss there. So we'll just have to see. Nothing else really going on with the Falcons, but um, I think this really does open up a lot of questions about Isaiah Oliver. You know, there wasn't a lot seen by him last year to really make me think, man, this guy's ready to be our second corner or even our nickel corner. So I wonder, it's like, is KZ the nickel corner? Is Oliver the second corner? Is KZ going to be the second corner behind Trufant? I had no idea. It's, it's, I, it's, there are a lot of questions now in the secondary that I really didn't have because I figured Poole would be the nickel and that he would sort of rotate with KZ and maybe KZ would take the second position. I don't know. Now it's very clear in terms of what's happening where it's either going to be KZ at two and, and – um, Oliver at, at the nickel or vice versa. And then you got to get some depth back there too. Or they sign someone. Or they sign someone. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're clearing out cap room like there's no tomorrow. So, you know, some of that's obviously going to go to Grady and some of that's going to go to Julio. But how much, we don't know. And then what do you do with the rest of that is, is, is a great question. So. One of which I don't have an answer for you. Sure. Man. 
Well, yeah, I think in light of that, we think we've covered our bases of the Atlanta sports teams. I know Atlanta United is doing their offseason thing, but nothing really to talk about there that we really know about. <laughs> Sorry. I think the season starts in like a month, though. It does. I mean, it's a really short offseason. You're going to have to get your United MLS. flag up. It's been a, a whole time. It's still up. The Braves flag is going up for the, for the next seven or eight months. Okay. We've got a Braves flag that's going up in front of the house. But... We want to thank you all for listening to this show, wherever you are and however you are listening. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.